Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Coffee and Football, presented by Rick Vavro and Austin Underground. I'm your host, Blake Monroe, where I'm joined this morning by C.J. Vogel and Jerry Hamilton. And guys, we are only 33 days away from That's spring. amazing number, Blake. <laughs> 33. Just a little more than a month, and football's back, <laughs> finally. But I want to open with this. Colin Simmons' mom posted this yesterday morning. And she said, the kid is up 20 pounds. I can't wait for spring ball. Let's go. And then hashtag hook them, of course. But, man, CJ, I know just, what, about a week ago, you had actually reported that he was up quite a bit. What, what do you guys think about this? I mean, when I first heard that Colin Simmons might have been up 20 pounds from where we saw him in Orlando for the Under Armour All-American game, I sat there and almost couldn't believe it, you know. And that's quite a jump in 20 months. In, in just over a month, 20 pounds is is not normal. And uh, I, I think it's uh, really just a testament to not only the work that he's put in on campus, but away from campus. Obviously, he's been working at the collective a lot with Jeremy Hills and a lot of the former uh, Longhorn uh, uh, greats in the area as well. The nutritional side of things has been a big boost for Colin Simmons as well. Um, but, man, you see it right there. He looks good. You know, he looks like that's a, the end of, of winter workout conditioning, uh, not just the middle of it. So 20 pounds, February 15th, really, really uh, encouraging uh, development for him in terms of getting on the field early. He's, he looks like a stud. And and that probably puts him in the 240 range, right, CJ? So, yeah. you know, not out of the question. He's in August. He begins around about 250 and plays in the 245 range. And look, that that is a great kind of number for him. I think 255, 260 probably be his max. I could see him actually, you know, kind of topping out in that 255, 260 area long term. But it's amazing with some of these guys. And it happens a lot with kids from the state of Florida that don't have the great setups for high school football, unless you're at a St. Thomas Aquinas, some of those places. They don't have the athletic period every day and, and everything that goes into it. Uh, but with Colin, you know, look, he was a little thicker in the upper body in Orlando at the Under Armour game than I think maybe Texas fans would think he would be when you just see his weight. Uh, if you just see him at 6'2", 215 or 220. Uh, but he's a little thicker in the uh, in the upper body in person at that Under Armour game. So you could tell he'd been putting in a little work getting ready for college, even though their season had just ended. Uh, but him putting on that weight to CJ's point, I, I'm not shocked by this because, um, you, you know, you get the nutrition program, you get in that uh, people, you know, coaches call it three scores a day, whatever. That's not what it is anymore. But you get in the nutrition program, you get in a college strength and conditioning program. And, and a lot of times these guys, they will add that quick uh, explosive type of weight strength to their frame, especially some of those skill guys. And with Colin being that outside linebacker, edge guy, being what would some people would say maybe a little undersized uh, as a senior, it's not surprising he put on that weight. But the great thing for Texas there is he looks physically ready to compete in the spring from day one. And I think that's kind of the, that's kind of the question around him some Texas fans have brought into uh, a coffee and football and OTF has been, you know, is he going to be really ready to take on the SEC, you know, physically? And I think he is going to be, you know, and the question then becomes, can Colin have the type of freshman year that Anthony Hill did a different way? But if he does, then uh, watch out. Uh, but I, I'll tell you this. I think there's been a lot of photos floating around guys too. Um, the freshman class looks really strong. Ryan Wingo, uh, Bobby Burton reported maybe, the most impressive freshman of all so far, uh, Aaron Butler, 
has has turned some heads early on at wide receiver. So uh, this for Xavier Filsamy, we've all heard CJ had turned heads early. So this freshman class is checking in as advertised. I've heard Daniel Cruz and Brandon Baker fit right into the culture. Uh, really getting after it. I mean, Daniel Cruz obviously gets after it in the weight room at 5 a.m. to 10 p.m. But uh, Brandon Baker coming from Cali's fit right in. So this freshman class uh, is is in 17 or in town rolling, plus the portal additions. And Blake, 33 days from spring practice. I'm going to beat the drum, man. Most anticipated <laughs> spring football practice and spring game since 2004 for the Texas Longhorns. And by the way, everybody, thank you for telling us where you're checking it. I saw League City. I'm in Friendswood. Uh, I see a lot. I see new places every day, man. It's so cool. Thanks. Thanks to everybody for joining us. Well, Jerry, you actually mentioned Bobby's notes over on, on TexasFootball.com, And that's something that I wanted to talk about this morning. Uh, he says Isaiah Bond is expected to be the team's number one receiver, but he's been told that Matthew Golden is a yeah. pleasant surprise. Are either one of y'all surprised by that? Not on Golden. I'll, I'll let CJ go on Bond. On Golden, look, I saw him. I, I, I always go back to some of these stories when you see a kid in high school and you kind of check the boxes and you put this one in the back of the memory bank. So I went to Klein Kane uh, to see Jaden Blue, and obviously I knew who Matthew Golden was. Very good player, right? Um, he He's from St. Petersburg, Florida, moved to Texas, I believe, seventh grade. Um, but the first time I saw Matthew Golden, talked to the Klein Kane staff about him, um, and really dug in on Matthew Golden. I said, okay, this kid's got that chip on his shoulder. Um, he First, he's a really good football player. And no offense to Jaden Blue, I thought Matthew Golden was the best all-around football player on that Klein Kane team. I mean, he was the punter, punt return, a kickoff return, uh, a wide receiver. I mean, he played everywhere they needed him to to impact and win games. I thought Matthew Golden was a really underrated guy, under-recruited. And, and a big-time talent, uh, quite frankly. Uh, so not surprised to see him be really good as a receiver at Houston and in the return game. That just goes to his toughness, his want to, uh, that chip on his shoulder. He's going to do whatever he can to prove people wrong. And, CJ, he's already had a couple of tweets. And when Isaiah Bond and other guys, uh, Silas Bolden was added in the portal, he said, don't forget about me type tweets. It yep. shows you that that chip is alive and well on his shoulder head in the spring practice. Oh, you know, you know, having a chip on your shoulder at the wide receiver position is only going to, you know, continue to to increase the competition there day in and day out. But on the topic of Isaiah Bond, I mean, this should be a no-brainer for me. I thought he was going to be the wide receiver one coming in. The addition that he brought from Alabama, I mean, he was a leading wide receiver in, in Tuscaloosa. Uh, he has uh, a ton of experience now on the field in big-time games as well, so that shouldn't be uh, something that holds him back in any way. I just think that what you get with his combination of speed and experience right now at the wide receiver position it supersedes that of everybody else at the in that wide receiver room at the at the moment. Uh, you look at what Xavier Worthy was able to do on campus during his time here. Isaiah Bolden, or sorry, Isaiah Bond is just as as quick, just as fast, um, if not faster. And I think that's really encouraging for a guy like Quinn Ewers, who's going to be going into year three, looking around, you know, probably wondering where am I going to go to the ball uh, in big situations. Well, Isaiah Bond is probably going to be uh, that number one option this upcoming season. So I'm, I'm eager to see how, you know, the, the dominoes fall for uh, wide receiver two, three, and four, because like we've talked about, it's kind of a log jam in terms of a lot of talent right now. Obviously you add Silas Bolden in the summer as well. So going to be really interesting this spring to see who kind of emerges in that top group right now. 
uh, I, I would say Isaiah Bond is, is is really that only guy that you can pencil in with a starting spot at the moment. And by the way, uh, Bob, uh, for those wondering, we've had a couple of questions. Uh, Bobby is flying to uh, Philadelphia this morning to uh, uh, go see his daughter who goes to uh, University of Penn. So if there's a fight on a Southwest flight from Nashville to uh, Philadelphia, I guarantee you it's not going to be Bobby, though. So. <laughs> Bobby's not throwing throwing punches. I, I, I've seen all the videos of the fights on planes recently, so it's been crazy. You mean he's not wilding out while 40,000 feet in the air? No, no, he's, he's got he, no. Bobby's got his headphones on, uh, reading a book or watching a huddle video. Yeah. <laughs> well, before we move on, guys, Champ Bailey three uh, has a good question here. He says, "Who's Matthew Golden's comparison? Is he a Devin Duvernay type? Different, um, different, but you know that's not totally uh, dissimilar. I mean, now Devin was a ten five hundred meter guy. Matthew Golden's not that. He was a probably ten eight guy. It peaked in high school." So he doesn't have that type of long speed. They do have where they are similar, though, is they're almost running back like mentality after the catch. Uh, there's some power there. There's some want to there. There's some toughness and some physicality there. Uh, I think Matthew Golden is, has more lateral agility. Um, and he's not Silas Bolton. He's not on that level, right? But compared to Devin Duvernay, who was straight line, just explosive, fast, and strong, I think Matthew Golden's got a little bit more uh, of the left-right uh, horizontal vertical agility, but they're not dissimilar in the way they attack a defender after the catch with that toughness and physicality. Yeah. Okay. Yes, and then Bobby, Bobby Burton would beat me in tennis. I agree. <laughs> well, I don't know. I don't know. I think I'd make him run a lot, and he might just, you know. We might have to I don't know. Bobby's not going to have a live stream. I'm going after him. <laughs> we might get a live stream set up of that match. Oh, I don't think anybody <laughs> wants to see that. <laughs> another note that Bobby had that I found interesting, talking about Byron Murphy rising up the NFL draft boards. Uh, yep. Source that Bobby talked to said that, that Murphy's expected to kill it at the Combine, and they thought he could go as high as number eight overall or low as number 16. Now, mock drafts, we've seen him yep. kind of all over the place. But one constant is that he's first round. Yeah, that, that makes sense because we, we talked about it on here. And Nathan O'Neill, one of the top D-line trainers in the country, has worked with Byron some, uh, getting him prepped over the summer and now in the draft. And that he said that. He said 12 to 20-ish, uh, depending on how he tests. And so that is falling right in line. So Byron Murphy goes and has a really good, I don't think 40. It's a 10-yard split, right? 10-yard split at your L-cone at your 5-10-5, right? And then the agility drills, the D-line agility drills in the combine. If he goes and knocks those out of the park, then, uh, you know, he, he could certainly be a top-10 pick. And I and I continue to say this. And, yes, David Keith Williams right. DuVernay's fastest 100-meter time was 10-2-7 in high school. Um, but uh, uh, I continue to say this about Byron Murphy. If he goes in the top 10, I mean, it's like the ultimate tap, uh, hat tip for me. He's – undersized height wise he doesn't have long arms i mean he's got things going against him that the nfl truly values yep. if he goes in, in the top 10 that is a testament to one how well he interviews um how hard he works the great how great he actually wants to be to me because he's overcome a couple of deficiencies that the nfl uh, uh that can hurt you in a draft 
if anything, it shows you how well he can take care of the things that he can, you know, have an impact on, you know, the height and the, the wingspan. You're born with that. I did. I was not born with height. You know what I didn't do? I didn't work very hard, at least not as hard as, as Byron Murphy. So credit to him. And that's a testament to the coaching staff as well to put him in that position to uh, really just showcase the talent that he has, because that, that is impressive. Uh, I was actually working on a quick piece for the weekend that we'll talk about a little bit later. But where the best fits for these guys are, we might drop it a little bit closer to the NFL draft. But I had Murphy, Indianapolis at 15, Cincinnati at 17, Seattle at 22. I think those are really good fits for him. Love to see him go earlier. Obviously, top 10 would be tremendous. Hey, hey Blake, because yep. Bert Rasco had, I've noticed this question a few times. Landon Williams Callis, a uh, young running back at Richmond Randall. We'll see how big he gets. I mean, you know, if he's in that 5'7, 5'8, 160, 165 range. Uh, I'm going to get out to Richmond Randall this spring and see Chase Sims, the 2025 D tackle. So uh, we'll see how he's progressing physically. Landon Williams Callis. And we're going to talk more recruiting here in just a second. But oh, first, boy, are we? Yes. First, I need to tell everybody out there that Rick Vavro and the folks at Austin Underground have specialized in difficult underground installations since 2004. Their extensive engineering background gives them the ability to perform work many other firms consider too risky. They offer an end-to-end client experience that includes seamless communication, budgeting, staffing, top-notch trade partners, and solid quality work every time. If you have a commercial project that needs a best-in-class solution, then contact the folks at Austin Underground, and you can check them out online at austin-underground.com. And remember, they dig Austin. So thank you, Rick. And hey, 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 pull up Trey B because we got we do need to shout out Frisco Lone Star High School. Look, I mean, they one of the oh, obviously Frisco's blown up, right? And CJ can talk about this growing up at Lovejoy. They've gone from three high schools to what 13, and, and it feels like no time, but it hasn't been no time. But that's how quickly Frisco's blown up. But Frisco Lone Star, obviously, Nick Bolton, Marvin Mims, Jalen Ford, soon to be uh, Jalen Dixon, uh, yeah, PJ Washington did go there. I totally forgot about that, Trey B. Uh, before he went uh, moved over uh, to private school, but uh, yeah, that's a uh, Frisco Lone Star has been a big time talent producer. Now, I think uh, where Malik Hawkins go? Oh, is that Frisco Emerson? The CJ Frisco yeah. Emerson is the second school that has a lot of talent. Now, as far as the Texas Longhorns, Cole Hudson's Frisco High, um, and Connor Stroh's Frisco Wakeland. So uh, that Frisco area, tons of uh, tons of football talent, and and I remember going to Frisco High. When I was ESPN Under Armour, uh, we had Jack Anderson, the offensive lineman, in the Under Armour game. And then Dawson Deaton was the center on that team. And, and he ended up being very good at Texas Tech as well. Both those guys' NFL careers. Yeah, one more Lone Star kid that Texas will face this year is Arkansas cornerback Jalen Braxton. Had a really yeah. good freshman season. Uh, he'll be on the, the schedule again this year for, for Texas. Well, guys, let's talk recruiting. Both of you have had recruiting notes over on on Texas football in the last 24 hours. And um, the latest seems to be the 2026 quarterback, which I know and has generated a lot of buzz. Can one of you tell us about that? Yeah, yeah. So we'll we'll start with 20. uh, I I exchanged messages with KJ Lacey last night, uh, the 25 uh, quarterback commitment out of Saraland. He says he'll be back in April for a visit. Uh, likely spring game. It hasn't been finalized. There's some kids coming in the week before the spring game. Uh, but it looks like uh, April, one of those two weekends, either the 13th or the spring game on the 20th. I'm sure Texas would prefer the spring game on the 20th. But K.J. Lacey says he will be back on campus for a visit in April. 
Texas sent out their first two 2026 offers yesterday at quarterback, both out of state. There's about five, six guys in state they're going to go evaluate in person. A.J. Milwee will do that when the spring evaluation period starts. Uh, but, you know, Jerry Curtis out of Nashville Christian School is the first one. I think that's a Georgia lean over Oregon, T Tennessee, Oregon. I think his sister goes to Tennessee there. Uh, but the one that caught my attention, and C.J. spoke with him last night, was Troy Hunt out of Mission Hills and San Marcos there, a little bit north of San Diego, a little bit east of Carlsbad. I Look, he's a unrated guy right now. And the 2025-2026 rankings will really start to update this summer. Uh, but he's an unranked guy right now. I think he's going to go from unranked to borderline five-star prospect. I, I could not be more impressed uh, with just the tape that I've watched on Troy Hun. Um, you can see there 10-inch hands at least. He was a first-year starter. At Mission Hills this year. So, um, but he had a solid season on the field. Uh, he had 16 touchdowns, four interceptions after the first game of the season. He threw two picks in his first ever varsity start. Then he was 16 and four, four to one ratio after that. Completed about over 60% of his passes. Uh, but he can make all the throws. He has really good feet in the pocket, functional athleticism. There's a little bit of a connection here with Texas and Steve Sarkeesian. He works with Danny Hernandez sometimes. Danny Hernandez um, also worked with Malik Murphy some in high school. I, now, I think Troy Hunt's a much, much higher level prospect than Malik was coming out of high school. I don't even think it's close, guys. I think Troy's this talented. But there is that common connect there. Steve Sarkeesian, Danny Hernandez had a relationship for a long time. I know CJ talked with Troy Hunt last night. Yeah, no, but to your point about the uh, just watching the huddle, I mean, he certainly looks like he's composed and can make any throw on the field for that height. Exactly what Sarkeesian looks for whenever it comes to evaluating quarterbacks. Uh, I spoke with him a little bit last night just in terms of what it was about Texas that kind of piqued his interest, what his thoughts were about the Texas offer. Immediately he dropped, you know, the, the DS words, you know, he dropped dream school. And so, uh, you know, that's something to keep an eye on. Uh, he obviously, his mom is from the area. Uh, he said from the South, they still have family down here. Didn't necessarily specify what part of the South, but uh, grew up with familiarity about the Texas program. Obviously has a tie with Danny Hernandez and the connection to Texas there as well. Uh, something to keep a, a closer eye on there is he visited already once before uh, back in November for the Kansas State game. There is some familiarity with the campus, with the program. Uh, he and A.J. Milby have been talking the last four months, almost day, uh, each day. So he says that there's already a pre-existing uh, relationship with the Texas staff, obviously, uh, with Coach Sarkeesian. Uh, he'd like to grow a little bit more as well. Uh, but you don't get offered by Texas at the quarterback position if you don't see a, a possible fit and, and, and path to the field by the Texas Go ahead, Jerry. Pick up. Uh, yeah, what's interesting, what's interesting we'll have to find uh, out. Um, well, oh, CJ, you're freezing up a little bit. Sorry, go ahead. Uh -oh. So, freezing up. so, so what, what, what's interesting is Texas signed a defensive back, Eric Hun, out of Sybil. Am I good now? Y'all hear me? A little bit better. Um, Texas signed Eric Hun, a defensive back, out of Sybil O'Steel in about 2013-14 range. So, it'll be interesting to see if there's any relation there. If, if, if there's any relation. If, if Troy Hun, Eric Hun, if they're related. We're going to do a little digging on that. But with uh, Troy Hun telling CJ that he has connections to the South. Um, something we're going to look into here because Eric Hun started his career at Texas, transferred to uh, Abilene Christian. 
Hey guys, we, we have a couple of, uh, I want to talk about a couple other things recruiting wise here in a second, but a couple of quarterback related questions that I want to go ahead and bring up. And I want to go back to KJ Lacey for a second. Britt Roscoe says, is his height an issue? No, he's six feet tall. I've, I've seen him uh, uh, three times in person now. Um, no, he, he's, I, I don't think his height's an issue at all. I, I think that he's a tremendous uh, football player, has uh, almost got a, he's got a point. He's a former college, uh, high school point guard, AAU point guard. He's got that point guard slash quarterback feel to him. He just really is one of those kids that understands sports, um, has really good feet, and, uh, movement skills, mobility in the pocket. Um, now I don't think a high, I don't think height was height an issue with him long-term and I don't know. It depends on how, just depends on the type of college career he has. It didn't affect Bryce Young. Uh, is draft status and we don't compare guys to Kyler Murray because Kyler was a freak athlete but <laughs> yeah. for a guy that was more of a pocket passer that had really good high-end functional athleticism that knew how to play in the pocket knew how to play outside the pocket without being a the hellacious scary athlete on the edges um, Bryce Young uh, is done okay there um, so I, th I think KJ Lace has got a very bright future and then the other uh, question yeah oh, go, go ahead. ahead oh uh, Zane Petty asked Going back to Hunt now, does he have arch-like mobility, or is he a true pocket passer? I, I think he's well. Arch is a Arch is a very athletic guy. Um, you know, uh, in fact, one uh, somebody on the Texas staff calls Arch slick with the way he moves. Just you know, he just he's just a really high-end athlete at that position. Um, yeah, I think uh, I think Hunt's more of a pocket passer with functional athleticism. I, I think that's what he is. But look, he's a twenty twenty-six guy too, so. Uh, but I think that's what he is uh, right now for sure. I don't think you're ever going to see him be the athlete on the move like an Arch Manning is. Somebody asked about KJ wavering. Um, it's Ole Miss and it's Auburn. I, I don't uh, right now. It's not Alabama. Ole Miss tried to get him on campus February third. The Texas staff actually got KJ to cancel that visit. That was the last weekend before the dead period. Auburn's also still uh, in pursuit. So those are the two schools that are uh, trying the most, the hardest, whatever you want to uh, put it uh, with K.J. Lacey right now. And then Elijah Barnes posted yesterday that a top 10 will be coming out March 1st. What are y'all expecting there? I expect a June official visit uh, from Elijah Barnes of Texas. Um, you know, Texas will be in that group. Um, I think uh, Peter Jenkins is a linebacker coach at Skyline. Does that mean he goes to Texas? No, it doesn't. Uh, but Elijah, you know, hey, look, every time these college coaches are showing up at Skyline to take a picture with Elijah in January, uh, he had his Texas, uh, he had his Texas uh, little uh, bracelets on his uh, from his visits to Texas. So I think Texas is in a pretty good spot with Elijah Barnes. But again, Sark's going to play the long game here in recruiting. I, they're not in a rush uh, to get guys in the boat in this class. They're going to use this spring evaluation period. Now, Elijah Barnes is the guy they want. Don't Riley Pettis on at linebacker, no question about it. Uh, but Texas isn't pushing all these guys to commit early. They're playing the long game in recruiting like Sark's done since he's got to Austin, and that is not going to change. Yeah, you can tell which prospects Texas really wanted to get out and see during the, the January, last back end of January. Obviously, Coach Nansen went out to see him before the junior day. They got him on campus again, and then Sarkeesian made a trip right after. Uh, three visits face-to-face -face with Elijah Barnes really tells you where Texas has him right now on the priority list. Uh, I, I really, really like where Texas sits at the moment. But like you said, Jerry, 
a long way to go, and Texas isn't going to be uh, rushing anything at the moment on the recruiting trail. They know they have the luxury of sitting back and evaluating everything holistically. So uh, we'll see just when those visit dates come out for the for uh, the official visits in the summer. But right now, I have to think Texas has a, a really good spot on that list. And then Jerry, you oh, mentioned Derek, Derek Weiser, Christian Scott, also on that staff staff at Skyline. Yes, he is. Oh, yep, yep. <laughs> and then Jerry, you mentioned. Uh, Sorry, Riley Pettijohn. And CJ, I know you posted about him yesterday on On Texas Football. Texas made the top six, it sounds like. CJ, what are you expecting with him? Yeah, another one that's very similar to uh, Elijah Bo Barnes, excuse me. Uh, Texas was able to go see him uh, a, a few times in that, that open contact period uh, this past month. Obviously, he also made it to campus as well. Uh, what's going to be interesting is who else is going to be the big-time players there. You know, Ryan Day from Ohio State stopped by campus actually the same day that Steve Sarkeesian did as well. So a lot to go uh, going on with uh, Riley Pettijohn. Michigan tried to make a move as well. And, of course, A&M and Oklahoma won't be going away anytime soon. So uh, it, it'll be interesting to see if he makes any visits. LSU is another school, Jerry, that I believe is is highly uh, uh, in, the, in the race for, for Riley Pettijohn. So it, it's a, a full six-team send right now. And in a, in, a, in a world in recruiting where you can take more than five official visits, I wouldn't be surprised to see six taken uh, from Riley Pettijohn this summer. What's interesting about that top six list is, I, I was told in December it was Texas and Florida State were the top two, and Florida State remains on that list. So I he he attended junior days at Texas and Texas A and M. Obviously, he's been to Florida State. He went to Florida a number of times with Xavier Phil Simi, and uh, he was there for that late November visit with Phil Simi uh, before Phil Simi flipped to Texas. Obviously, so I think Texas, Florida State. I think Texas is one. I think Florida State's two. And then everybody else is jockeying for, for position. AM got him on campus. USC is a school that is was mentioned as third, probably behind Texas and Florida State in December. So that 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 continues to line up. Now Georgia is the one that could make the push there. I, I really believe that. Uh, Josh Arena says, where can we see a list of players Texas has offered on Texas football? I'll, I'll make I'll make I'll do something on that tomorrow. I'll just I'll I'll give a listing by position of everybody been, that's been offered by Texas in 2025. We have a recruiting super chat from Antonio Harris. Thank you, Antonio. And he says, does Texas have any interest in Raheem Hutchins from Shadow Creek? Thanks, and hook them. Thank you. Andrew. I think te Texas is evaluating all those kids at, at Shadow Creek. I think right now, your guys at Shadow Creek, that the, the most interest is Kobe Sellers, the corner, uh, who probably slide Oklahoma lean over Texas right now uh, in 2025. Ja'Cory Watson's a guy Texas likes. He was at February 20, Junior Day. LSU is also very much in the mix there, TCU. Uh, then 2026, Chris Stewart, a receiver uh, that Chris Jackson offered. So uh, obviously Anthony Williams is committed to Texas in 2025. A lot of talent, Shadow Creek. Uh, but uh, Texas, is as much as the NCAA allows them to do, has been by Shadow Creek uh, to see Anthony Williams, Kobe Sellers, uh, all those guys, Sarkeesian, Blake Gidding, Chris Jackson, have all been through there uh, in January. Hey, y'all, we got some more recruiting questions here. We'll take this one from Jarrett Johnson. He says, Jerry, I know it's early, but is 2026 offensive lineman Aaron Wolford out of Port Natchez Grove on Texas radar? Haven't heard it. That name yet doesn't mean he won't be. Uh, just think about, so Jackson Christian goes to Texas camp last year and is offered. So Texas knows about Walford for sure. There's no doubt. Sarkeesian was by Port Natchez Groves. 
in January. Kyle Flood's been by more than once. They they know about Aaron Walford. I haven't heard him on a close to type offer in that type of list yet. Yeah, Wolford's a, a true guard prospect at the next level in my eyes. Has offers from North Texas, Texas Tech, Purdue, a couple others right now. Uh, but but like Jerry said, uh, evaluations of the offensive line will probably continue well into the summer when these guys return to campus. Uh, I'd be interested to see if a, uh, a visit does occur from Wolford to, to Austin. Before we move on, Jerry, I'm going to let you tell everybody out there about Manscaped. Look, man, I, I hope I hope everybody's got their manscape. You know, I hope everybody put it to use this week. It was a big week. Uh, but 2024 is here in full swing, and that means it's time for a New Year's resolution check-in with our friends at Manscaped. Newsflash, it's never too late to level up your grooming game and keep your bush tame. Manscaped's new Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra is every man's cheat code to look good, feel good, and turn the page on confidence this year. Whether you're going to trim, going for a trim, or that clean-shaven look, the tr this trimmer has you covered. Trusted by over 10 million men worldwide, now is the time to get a grip on your grooming with our exclusive offer. Go to manscaped.com and use code ONTEXAS, all caps, for 20% off plus free shipping. The ball is dropped. But don't drop the ball on your balls, guys. Manscaped.com on Texas, all caps for 20% off. Nailed it. Nailed it. Hey. Bravo. <laughs> all right. Hey, Britt Rasco, real quick. Uh, side note, Ty Anthony Smith, Jasper High and Texas Commit, is a finalist for the Willie Ray Smith Award, which is given to the best offensive and defensive player in Southeast Texas. Britt thinks that he will win it. I, I would agree with that. Um, I, I'll be very surprised if Ty Anthony Smith doesn't take that uh, take that award. Uh, he, you know, look, he's a guy, and I think this goes into what gives Ty Anthony Smith a chance to be a, a tremendous player. And he's he needs time physically. I'll be interest, interested to see when we hear CJ that he's put on twenty pounds quickly. Yeah, because he's a guy who's a long levered player, six one and a half with a seventy eight and a half, seventy nine inch wingspan. Um, physically undersized coming out of high school at the linebacker position, but he reminds me of kids I used to see him. I used to see him Florida all the time. Nationally, he's going to blow up. He's a small school guy that played football, basketball, track. He did it all. So this is his first time in a college football strength and conditioning program getting serious about nutrition, just like Colin Simmons, what we've seen with Colin Simmons. And under the wing of Tory Becton, he's going to blow up physically. I wouldn't be shocked if he goes from 190 to 210, 215 by August. That would not shock me at all with Ty Anthony Smith, but I think what makes him a tremendous prospect is plays linebacker, plays running back. He'll take snaps at Wildcat quarterback. He's played receiver early in his career. He's played safety. He plays wherever he has to to win a game, but for a small school coaching staff to put that much on his plate, that means he's got a feel for football. He's got instincts to the game, and he can process information. I, I think, I think Ty Anthony Smith's got a chance long term. Yeah, and how about uh, the Texas class adding what was the Houston area offensive MVP and Trey uh, Trey Owens, on, yeah. potentially the Willie Ray Smith Award winner uh, for the the Southeast uh, Texas area. A lot of top talent in that in those areas, and Texas is able to come away with both of them. Skibrek says that Sark was very patient in last year's cycle, opting for a late push. 
Do you expect the program to move just a tad faster this year? And he says that he does, mainly because the state of Texas has a better class overall. You know, it wouldn't shock me if in April we, we saw a couple of commitments, right? But here's the here's the reality of recruiting now with NIL and the structure uh, of recruiting is it, I'm not sure how much sense it makes for kids to recruit or to commit that early unless you're 100% locked in and you're done. You're, why Why would you commit in April necessarily if you're just going to go through the official visit process starting a month and a half later? I mean, so I think you're going to see a very high percentage of these prospects just stick with the same plan that's kind of playing out with classes nowadays. And that is go you take, take a couple of unofficial visits in January for junior days, get on a couple of campuses for spring practice, spring game, right? Then you go through that official visit process. You know, you look at uh, Riley Pettijon. So you got six schools there, top six. Well, you like CJ said, you're going to make five, six official visits. You pack all those things in to that late May through last week in a June window, and you make your decision before your senior year. I think that is just smart recruiting. I think Sark understands the process fully, um, and, and I don't think he's, he's not going to rush these guys, especially – when he knows they can get the last visit in June on the majority of the top targets on the board. Uh, so could a couple of guys more co commit in April? That's possible. But I don't think we're going to see this process change with Texas. And then yeah. Isaiah Stewart wants to know who's a riser in 2025 that we should look yeah. out for. That's a good question. That's that a good question. I need, some, I need some time to think on that one. TJ, you got one off the top of your head by any chance. I think Texas likes where they are in the, the wide receiving recruitment at the moment. You know, you talk about, you know, obviously Kelsman Johnson, Marcus Harris, you know, some of these guys, Texas still pursuing Decorian Moore. If if they need a guy late late in the cycle to, to cycle back on, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at Royal Capella out of Cibolo still. I'm a big fan of his. He's been one that I brought up a few times before. Uh, but uh, he's probably – Probably in the process of looking elsewhere right now, having visited in January and an offer still yet to be extended. So uh, maybe not an option, but there'll, there'll be plenty this spring whenever we hit the road. I'm sure uh, we'll, we'll come back in uh, the middle of April with a, a number of names in which we could uh, tell you are going to be late risers heading into the summer. Well, the crazy thing is, I think offensive line, we're going to look at offensive line. But, you know, the colleges have done such a good job getting ahead of the game now uh, that. You know, there's been guys committed, like there's this receiver at Wolfer Friendship. Leighton Stone committed to Texas Tech. I think he's a very good player. Tech got on him early. He's staying home, right? Uh, with Huddle, uh, these there's not as many hidden gems, right? But I'll say this, offensive line. I, I really think it's a, such a deep year on the offensive line in Texas. I think we're going to see two, three more guys pop up that have frames that kind of start to blow up in the spring after basketball season's over. They get in spring practice, get in the track get into uh, athletic period workouts every day. I think you're going to see some more offensive line guys pop up around the state. Will those be impactful guys for Texas? Probably not. But I think depth at that position is going to really start to show up. Um, I think linebacker, again, the interesting thing about linebackers, I had a guy, Jonathan Cunningham, uh, from North Crowley is one of those guys. CJ and I talked about it on recruiting breakdown. Texas ended up offering him later that day. Um, he was a guy that just – talking to the coach Gates at North Crowley, watching huddle film. I said, okay, this guy, 
Jonathan Cunningham, this junior linebacker at North Crowley, has a real chance. He's 6'2 and a half, flows in on 6'3, about 185, 190, long arms. But you could just tell such an instinctive player, physical player, had range. But the process has moved up so much that a guy like that with the success North Crowley's had and having John Turntine, who I think is going to be the top prospect in, in the state in 2026 and one of the top 10, 15 in the country probably, having guys like that bringing all that foot traffic through North Crowley, especially with back-to-back 12 and 13 win seasons, I think got Jonathan Cunningham on the map a little earlier. Then Johnny Nansen went through after he was hired. Then Sark and Tashar Choice came through and offered him. That was so. That was one of my guys, and he's already kind of blown up. His his offer list hadn't reached twenty yet, but it will in the spring. And then we'll do one more recruiting question, and then switch gears for a little bit. Jarrett Johnson says, "Is there any chance that Byron Washington can move to the defensive line with that body? He seems to have great potential at stopping the run. Would you run on him?" No, I don't. I think he's off interior offensive lineman all the way. Yeah, I, I think what the strengths of Tavondre Sweat and Byron Murphy were this past year were moving uh, laterally and being able to use that quickness in the run game to disrupt running lanes. Quickness probably at the moment is not a strength of Byron Washington's. You're not going to see him laterally beating guys uh, at this point in his career. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress. Instead of perfection, you don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M. Dot com and check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. Hey, a couple of good questions, 848 and 848. So whichever ones we want to take there. Uh, you want me to start with the one from Isaiah Stewart? Speaking yes. of basketball in Texas, the basketball season starts so early. How does that overlap work if a Hooper is on a football team making a deep run in the playoffs? They ain't well, it, it obviously impacts you. It really impacts you at smaller schools. And I'm going to, I'm going to, and, and I wanted to get to this because it impacts basketball, the trap for football guys as well. So, uh, you know, I'm going to use Hitchcock in a, as a prime example of this. Hitchcock made a deep run in football playoffs two years ago. So, they won state in basketball, but early in the season, they didn't have their guys, so they dropped two or three games, right, early in the season. And then those guys joined basketball team. Uh, what's interesting is Kelshawn Johnson, a 2025 receiver um, that CJ mentioned, and we've mentioned a lot here on OTF. 
Hitchcock is favored to go to state in basketball again and defend their state championship, which they won last year. I think they're 28 and three right now, just finished district playoffs start next Tuesday in Texas in basketball. But if they go all the way to state, you're talking March 7th, 8th, 9th weekend is when the state tournament is. So Kelshawn won't even move into track. And the track season started a week earlier this year. We're already in the second week week of meet start tomorrow in the state of Texas for your bigger schools. So Kelshawn Johnson, that transition from football to basketball, he met, you missed some basketball time, right? But then from basketball to track, for a guy like Kelshawn who wants to run 10-5, 10-6 this year, it may be tough for him to get to that number because there's not really any track training at the smaller schools for him. There's not time on the track. And he's going to transition right in the back from basketball to track. And he's going to be behind guys that are full time in track after football. So uh, that's kind of those three sports, small school guys. They definitely have a tougher window to maximize everything they do. Then your other 848 question came from Ricky D. And he says, do you think Texas is starting to be known by pro teams for recruiting and developing not only talent, but high character, selfless kids who come out with pro work ethic and mental makeup for success. If 11 combine invites doesn't tell you that, I don't know what will. I mean, that's that's a really high number. I think there was only two or three teams in the country that had more in, invites than what Texas had. I think one was Washington with 13 and obviously Michigan had 18. Uh, but, but the tide is turning with the perspective of Texas and the NFL draft. You're seeing, what, five, six guys mocked every single day in the top two rounds. Hasn't been that case in, I don't, I don't know, ever, really. Maybe 2005, 2009, the last time that it had that many uh, top-end tier prospects. Again, it hasn't. Texas hasn't had eight players drafted in drafts since 1991. So uh, it really is turning the tide, and Texas is obviously revamped in the portal with some really key additions. We've talked about the wide receivers, but uh, Andrew Makuba is one that's high on draft boards. Trey Moore has a chance with his history of uh, a production on the field. We'll see what he does this upcoming year. And then that doesn't even get into the guys like Kelvin Banks, Quinn Ewers, you know, guys that have been on campus for a couple of years now. Terrence Brooks has a chance. Uh, it, it's a really exciting uh, uh, time to be following Texas football, not only because of the on-field success, but moving into the NFL. It's looking like Texas will be sending eight to ten guys into the combine and into the draft each year moving forward. And we mentioned we, we mentioned it yesterday, but Quinn Ewers is going to throw March 20th at Texas Pro Day. So it's going to be a chance for him to throw in front of probably 32 NFL teams, right? at that pro day. The other thing I wanted to mention to that question, which I think is so important, and I think it's actually the toughest thing for a college head coach and staff. After you have a lot of success, those next two or three recruiting classes that come in, you, how, why the evaluation process and your culture is important. And that this is why coaches speak to culture so much. I think the term can be overused at times, but this is so important and vital to why they speak to it a lot. Once you have success, the most difficult thing to do, and I think this is what made Nick Saban so great, was the next group of kids that come in, they have to buy into the process and not just expect it to happen. The why did it happen versus it's just going to happen because we're all highly recruited guys and we're at Texas now. That is the toughest thing for a college head coach and staff is keeping that culture, keeping that understanding of the process. And I think that's why Nick people probably got sick of hearing Nick Saban say process, process, process for 15 years. But every time he said it, he was talking to his young players in the program 
so that complacency didn't set in. And the reason I say that is I talked to somebody at uh, uh, at Georgia during the season, and it was funny. They said, we're not going to win it this year. And I was like, really? Why? He said, we got too many guys on cruise control. He said, they too many guys are expecting it to happen. He says, so this will be the year that we may not play at be as good when we need to be as we should be. He said, but that'll kickstart the refocus the following year. So just something that kind of, that's what these college staffs deal with when they recruit, when they have the level of success that Georgia had, what Alabama had. Now Steve Sarkeesian going to the playoff in year three is you got to, these young kids that come in, man, you got to keep them that complacency out of your program. And those kids have to understand the why. All right, fellas, we're going to jump over to the ontexasfootball.com forums to take this next question. And Ski Breck actually posted quite a few, so we're going to start with this O-line <laughs> one. He says, do we know the starting offensive line, lineup, and the variations of it? Who are y'all projecting going into the spring to be that starting group? I, I, the uh, SART uh, contract details, CJ, I don't think we've seen those officially released yet. No. You're muted, CJ. Okay, and on the uh, offense, I've not seen it. I've not yeah. seen it. Uh, it. I don't know if it's been released. I thought we might have saw it at the uh, the town hall or or one of these big you know administration meetings coming up. But so far, no official word there. Uh, going to the offensive line, this will be fun because I think you're not going to see a whole lot of change. I think Cam Williams is going to be your right tackle. I don't think that competition, though I'd love to see competition at that spot, I think it's going to be a pretty easy win for Cam Williams. He's a, an extremely talented right tackle. He can move. He has great patience and obviously his hands. We talk about, uh, you know, when Byron Murphy or Byron Washington grabs hold of you at the high school level, you don't go anywhere. Cam Williams is even better at that uh, in terms of what he's been able to do. Obviously, two years under his belt as well. Played very well against Kansas State in his lone start this past season too. So uh, I'm really looking forward to him to being your right tackle. What happens at left guard is now more of an interesting conversation uh, with Hayden Connor, uh, Nato Omiozulu, and Cole Hudson. The three of them are going to be battling it out because everything else right now feels like it's going to be set in stone. DJ Campbell at uh, right guard, Jake Majors at center, and obviously Kelvin Banks being uh, the centerpiece of your offensive line at left tackle. So what happens at left guard is what I'll be keeping a close eye on because I do think it's going to be Cam Williams as the heavy favorite going into the spring. I think what will be interesting there is this Hayden Connor cross-train at right tackle some this spring. I kind of expect that to happen a little bit. Um, so that will be interesting. But Cam Williams will be the starter at right tackle. I think the other thing is, you know, Trevor Gooseby's locked in. He's only really worked at left tackle. Um, and last season, during the season, Kyle Flood was cross-training Cam Williams a little bit left tackle with the understanding he's a right tackle. So one practice, one practice day a week. Throughout the entire season, Cam Williams would work at left tackle. Uh, but otherwise, Trevor Grooseby's kind of locked in, probably that number two left tackle, even though Jaden Chapman played some there at the end of the season so they could pervert, preserve red shirts. But here's the thing. With Jaden Chapman, where he ends up is going to be interesting it, because he's literally taken snaps at all five positions since he's been at Texas. That doesn't mean extended time at center, but they've worked with him everywhere. So where is he going to end up uh, finding a home on the offensive line? Because Texas really likes his athleticism and upside. So what is going to be his home? Uh, I think it'll be interesting how that plays out this spring. All right, y'all. Before we move on, I need to let everybody out there know about 
Prize Picks, and Prize Picks is a skill-based, real-money daily fantasy sports game. You simply pick between two to six players, and if they'll go more or less than their Prize Picks projection, it's just you versus the projection available instead of battling thousands of other players. It's really simple to play. It takes almost no time. I can make my picks and submit my entry in less than 60 seconds. And what I love about Prize Picks is that it adds a ton of excitement to the sports viewing experience. You can watch your progress update in real time. You can win up to 25 times your entry amount. And then you can easily cash out your winnings with quick withdrawals. All you have to do is go to prizepicks.com slash ontexas. Use promo code ONTEXAS, and they're going to give you a first deposit match of up to $100. Unfortunately, football's over. Baseball hasn't started yet, so I'm all over the golfing action today. Today, I'm taking former Longhorn Jordan Spieth to go less than 15 and a half pars or better, along with Tiger Woods to have more than 14 pars or better. So to join me in those picks, you can go to prizepicks.com slash ONTEXAS. Again, promo code ONTEXAS and get that first deposit match of up to $100. And that's Prize Picks, Daily Fantasy Sports, made easy. Hey, and we have a good question. Um, David Parcel at 858, I think is a great question. All right. Who on Texas will be drafted in 2025? I know Kelvin Banks and Quinn Ewers, but who else? Possibly well, I, yeah, let's talk about like with 11 guys going to the combine this year. Let's talk about, you know, it's early, right? Obviously, we haven't even had spring practice. 33 days away. Most anticipated spring practice since 2004. Uh, but Quinn, Kelvin Banks, Makuba, Jade Barron, Isaiah Bond, Matthew Golden. Those guys aren't coming to play two years at Texas. Nye Black, Gunnar Helm. I mean, you start going down the list. Ethan Burke, I think, is going to be on draft boards next year. He already is a little bit on some mock drafts, but another year in the program, uh, continuing to build out that frame. Because with that length and that motor, um, if he continues to be more productive, productive, if he has a productive year in the SEC next year, watch him rise up draft boards. Baron Sorrell, could he be a combine invite? Uh, look. Ryan Watts got a combine invite. If Terrence Brooks has a good year and he goes at pro early, could he get a combine invite? Probably so. I mean, that's one of the things that was crazy to me. 23 defensive backs out of the SEC got combine invites this year. That's an astronomical number. Uh, But, CJ, I think we're going to see a scenario where Texas will have at least as many in the combine next year, assuming they have healthy seasons and a productive season. Let me get your thoughts on Jaden Blue. You think he will have a, a a productive enough season to warrant one NFL uh, draft grades back, or even a you know I, I would expect a combine invite to go his way. Obviously, from what we've seen on the field, Keelan Robinson was able to snag one. Obviously, I think special teams might have played a little bit more of a of a role in Keelan's invitation to the combine. But Jaden Blue is an interesting one to me because he's now eligible to go to the draft. Uh, but will he have enough of a a pull or a share? in the backfield this year to warrant NFL grades? Yeah, I think that's it comes down to a couple of things for him. Um, it, you know, look, the SEC is going to be good for him because one thing he's got to he's got to prove he can do is is really drop his pads and play with contact through contact. Um, he didn't do that in high school. He's improved a little bit. Big 12 and SEC is a different animal. Um, so we'll see how that goes next season for him. And if he makes that next progression, uh, I think that's going to be really key for him. Um, I, I would be surprised, uh, if he's not back for a, a fourth year at Texas, I, I just think with the running back rotation, 
Um, I think he's going to have his role and be good in his role, but that that one's a little bit of a leap for me right now. We'll see. We'll see next year, though. Yeah. He's asked about David Bender. I, I don't know if I see him as a combine guy. Somebody mentioned Vernon Broughton. I'm not sure I see those guys as combine invites right now. Gavin Holmes the same. All right, y'all. Let's go to this question from Antoine. He says, why is everyone so concerned about defensive tackle? Is Collins, Broughton, Mitchell, Sevilla, Bledsoe in January simply not enough? I think the key there is, does Sadir Mitchell and Jare Bledsoe take huge steps this spring? I think if they look good this spring – then there's a little less concern. But when I, I think the one thing for the Texas staff inside the building there is they want one more experienced adult in the room moving to the SEC. Uh, because here's the reality. And the reality is this. The offensive line, especially interior offensive line in the Big 12, was not strong. Just wait until the NFL draft. It wasn't strong. Now you're going into a conference where that is a strength. Uh, there's bigger, larger humans with longer arms on the offensive line. So you got to match that for Texas. That's why they're going to recruit. You see Zion Williams. You see the guys there. I think we're going to see them recruiting that 25 class. Um, some of those larger humans, bigger frame guys, especially guys that play over the ball. I think Savea is going to play a really important role. I think Broughton's more of a disruptor than anchor in the SEC against the run. Aaron Bryant's put on good weight. He's now closer to physics. He's always been a good anchor against the run guy, but now he's physically closer to being that guy. Uh, but I really think Sadir Mitchell and Jare Bledsoe. What what do they look like this spring? What are the returns coming out of the spring on them are going to tell the story? But Texas is, I really believe, is one portal experienced quality defensive line interior player away from clearly being a better team next year. Does that mean they're going to have a better record? It's a tougher schedule. But I, I think I think they're, they're going to be a better team. And then this next question comes from Vivek, and he says, Hey, guys, how much of a step back do you think the defense takes next year? Will we have a better secondary and a worse D-line slash linebacker group? The, the question to me is where that run defense settles in following the spring. Obviously, we've talked about wanting another solidified piece in the middle of that defensive line. You know, Jerry, you just hit the nail on the head when you were talking about the, having an adult in the room, you know, someone that is able to stand up and, and not move backward or create running lanes in the middle of that defensive line. That's going to be big for me. And it's also going to be big to see just how the linebackers kind of develop in the run game as well. That wasn't the strength of Anthony Hills this past year. He did just about everything else as well as you could uh, for the expectation of a, fr a true freshman linebacker playing big time ball. But the run fits were still something that he's going to need to, to improve upon this year. You add Kendrick Blackshear and David Benda to that room as well. Uh, obviously, Benda coming back, but you get my point. They're both, you know, a little bit more towards the running side of things as, as a true linebacker. So do the two of them help in this case? We'll see. And just how does uh, Galette and LaFowle kind of figure into this room? Run defense right now is the biggest concern for me on the team. Uh, but with that said, I still think you have good enough pieces to be a middle-of-the-pack team uh, in the running game. And if that's the case and you have a middle-of-the-pack defense with the way this offense is shaping up right now, you're still going to have a pretty solid season. Anything above middle-of-the-pack defensively, you're looking at a, at a season in which I think you could go – uh, right back to the college football playoff, especially with the 12-team format. Uh, if you're able to repeat a, a season like you had this past season uh, defensively where you were top 20, top 25 in scoring defense, 
you're looking at a team that can contend for a national championship right away. And then Victor says, it seems like Colin Simmons is all business over under on five sacks. I'm taking the over, but I'm not saying, I'm not saying it's going to be like seven and a half or eight. I, I am going to take the over. That could be five and a half, six. That'll be interesting to me. I think the Texas leader was Anthony Hills past year with five and a half, and he was used kind of sparingly uh, coming after the quarterback. Will he have enough of a of a of a volume share, snap share, early on to get that? I'll be interested to see. Uh, but Colin Simmons, the way that he's already progressed and developed since arriving on campus, we talked about it at the top of the show. Twenty pounds added to his frame since arriving on campus. If he can add another five or ten heading into uh, in, into summer conditioning, I'd be looking at him as a guy who could really be on the field early and often uh, this this fall. And I want to make something clear on this. Now, Trey Moore is on campus, but let's look at the Texas team last year and under Sark. Uh, Texas hadn't had anybody with this type of twitch off the edge at all. So that's the level Colin Simmons is as a prospect. He is a different cat coming off the edge than what Texas fans have seen at Texas in recent years. Now, he's got to put it all into play, right? Uh, but – Look at the work he's already putting in. This guy, I think, you know, he played hurt last year. He had a high ankle sprain. I think he was probably a little bored. Let's be real. He had 22 sacks as a junior. I think he turned it on, had a great state championship game uh, when playing through an ankle, a high ankle sprain that kept legitimately kept him out of the Under Armour game. The trainers down there looked at that and said, no, he's not playing. He had a legitimate high ankle sprain. Um, yes, Vivek B. I am basically saying Simmons is that dude. Um, it, it, he is a different twitch. He is a different pass rushing prospect um, than we've seen at Texas in a while. Yeah. All right. Colton says, with the addition of Makuba and overall upgrade of athleticism at safety, do you expect the defense to run more press coverage, perhaps even some single high safety looks? You know, they did that at times. You know, the Texas cornerbacks weren't as often off the ball uh, as we've seen in previous years, as they were last year. My question is, what's the physicality at the line of scrimmage going to be like? I'm not sure that's a priority or even a preference for for uh, Coach uh, Terry Joseph right there uh, in his teachings at the the cornerback spot. I love lengthy cornerbacks, and I look at a guy like Ryan Watts, who should have had hands on uh, wide receivers every single play in the boundary, uh, simply because of that length and physicality that just suits what he does. Texas right now, they they obviously are at the line of scrimmage quite often. They don't reroute a whole lot. And Rod goes into great detail about this uh, very often on the, the Longhorn live streams on Tuesday and Wednesdays uh, each weekend, but or weeknight. But I'm looking for how they're able to jam and kind of redirect these wide receivers off the ball. If you're able to do that, you, you don't allow them to get into uh, their routes earlier, and you also allow just that split second longer for your wide receiver or for your defensive line, excuse me, to get after the quarterback. Uh, Dan Quinn and the Cowboys do a tremendous job of this, rerouting the timing of uh, offenses and the wide receivers uh, with their quarterbacks. You know, that, that kind of chemistry that they have is all built off of timing at the next level. Uh, in college, not so much, but you still get remnants of that. And so I'm I'm looking for that rerouting and physicality to be a little bit of a, of an improvement this spring and going into the SEC. I think it's huge. Uh, we're going to jump over to the other side of the football now. Elaine Roker, how will the blocking from the wide receivers look this season? You know, that'll be a question mark. Uh, you know, you, you go out and you add a lot of pieces that are all built very similarly. Obviously, 
you know, you talk about Bolden, Golden, Bond, and Cook. You know, those aren't very big guys, but you talked about it last year a little bit. Xavier Worthy was asked to block every now and then. Uh, he's not a very big guy, but he is physical. And at, at the wide receiving spot, what you do uh, in the blocking game is all about the desire and want to. You know, I, I love the quote that Coach Marion used to have, you know, uh, how much do you block is basically showing your teammates how much you love them. And I think that's just uh, – it, it's a mindset at the wide receiving spot. You, you look at Jordan Winnington, what he was able to do, that was his calling card. He just loved playing football and being physical at the point of attack. Uh, I'm not sure Texas has anybody of the level of Jordan Whittington when it comes to blocking in space. It's a t it's something that you learn over time and have to truly adopt before you know that becomes a strength. It took A.D. Mitchell uh, almost half the season, maybe even a little longer, to really become uh, someone that really saw the vision as a, a blocking wide receiver. So uh, who are going to be those guys this year? I might look at uh, Matthew Golden as really that number one guy at the moment, but it, it's going to have to be a, a, a true learning curve in this spring and something that they hit on very often. I'm glad you mentioned Whittington, CJ, because that leads me to this next question from Nate Russ. Who's the next Jay Witt team leader through passion and grit? That's a great question because Texas has been in a really good spot the last two years. Rashawn Johnson uh, was the best leader that wasn't a starter I've ever seen. I mean, yeah. it, it, Texas football and basketball had a, Guys like that the same year, which was crazy, and Roshan Johnson and uh, and Serge Ibari Rice. It's crazy to have two of those guys in two different sports at the same time on a college campus. I've never seen a backup running back be a team leader before. I, I may never see that again. Uh, Roshan's special like that. And then Jay Witt has a lot of that, that leadership ability, toughness, the grit, uh, as you mentioned. I think that's going to be so interesting. Obviously, Quinn took a bigger leadership role last year. I think he is easily going to be the leader of this team next year. I think Anthony Hill wants to be a leader, uh, one of the two or three leaders of this Texas program. Uh, I really think that's important to him. I think he's shown a lot of those signs. Uh, but, you know, some of that stuff will play out a little bit. Um, I'll tell you another one. It's under – you don't ever really get talked about as an offensive lineman, but don't think for a second Kelvin Banks is a strong leader of the Texas football team and program going into next year. Yeah, that list could go long, on and on and on of great leaders and great team guys. Uh, but what's really going to matter and really get the impact of the team is uh, how well you perform on Saturdays. And, you know, you talk about Banks, Hill, and Quinn. I mean, those are the three of the top players on the entire program. So for them to be kind of that face of the program behind the scenes and conditioning like where we are in the season right now, it's huge for the entire team moving forward. All right, fellas, one more time. I need to tell everybody out there about Rick Vavro and Austin Underground. And those folks have specialized in difficult underground installations since 2004. Their extensive engineering background gives them the ability to perform work many other firms consider too risky. They offer an end-to-end -end client experience that includes seamless communication, budgeting, staffing, top-notch trade partners, and solid quality work every time. If you have a commercial project that needs a best-in-class solution, contact the folks at Austin Underground. You can check them out online at austin-underground.com. And remember, they dig Austin. Thanks to Rick and the folks there for sponsoring today's show. And we have a super chat from George Lopez. Thank you, George. He says, great show. Welcome back, Jerry. Who, in your opinion, is primed to make a big jump? Hook them horns. 
Uh, big jump on the team. Um, look, I, th that's a great question. Um, I, I have a feeling Terrence Brooks is going to have a big third year in college football. Uh, I think added pass rush off the edge for Texas is going to really help Texas corners. We talked about it. Uh, the safety position, I think, is going to be a more athletic position. Uh, Derek Williams is going to make a huge jump for me. That may actually be my guy from year one to year yeah. two. He didn't have spring practice last year. He was a May graduate. This will be his first spring practice. I'll tell you what, the most important, though, Rand Rodriguez hits it, nail on the head. Two most important guys for me that Texas needs to see those guys make a big jump is Sadir Mitchell and Jare Bledsoe, probably in that order. Because Sadir Mitchell's a large human, that it was a tug-of-war battle between Texas and Georgia to play over the ball in the SEC. I mean, Georgia loves Sadir Mitchell. It's Sadir, This is a big spring for Sadir Mitchell, uh, Kenny Baker's first spring with these guys. Sadir needs to take a big step for Texas. He needs to be the over-the-ball player. Uh, not Maybe not saying he's going to be the NFL draft pick level player this year, but he needs to take a big step for this team. I'm with you. Derek Williams is my pick. I love them. I, I, I love it. And then Archmania says, of all our skill guys, who has the best football speed? Herschel Walker had speed, but better players had football speed. To his point, like one of those guys was Earl Thomas. Like the all-time guys we think about at Texas, Earl Thomas had unbelievable football speed. Um, still tested well. CJ, you got anybody on that? Football speed's interesting because I don't think you see a lot of it with Jade Barron going vertically down the field, but the instincts and quickness to diagnose plays, I think, plays into football speed. So I, I like him. I, I know there's better options out there. Uh, I don't know. I At think Bond, is, I, so people have brought up Isaiah Bond. Isaiah Bond's fast no matter what. I'll tell you a guy who has football speed. Well, Matthew Golden has football yeah. speed. Like uh, David Williams made a good point. Like Devin Duvernay ran 10-5 in high school, best of 10-2-7. Uh, Golden was 10-8 is at best in high school. But Matthew Golden plays fast on the football field. Uh, Isaiah, uh, I think uh, Silas Bolden does as well. I think he has yep. a quickness-speed combination in football with a helmet on and a ball in hand. I, I think he's somewhat rare. He's not Cavante Turpin level uh, from TCU, but he's the, he's the notch below it. Um, you know, I, I think, I think that's a good question. Um, as far as football speed, other guys, I'm thinking, I think Andrew McCuba has pretty good football speed as well from watching him at uh, LBJ and then Clemson. Uh, we're going to jump back over to the on Texas forums for this next question from ski Breck. And he said, what wide receiver gets the most targets? I think it's Isaiah Bond. We talked about it earlier. It just makes sense for him to move into this system seamlessly. Has the experience with a wide receiver one already in the SEC level. Uh, has the speed that you mentioned just now with the football speed and 10-5 verified track speed. He's a quick guy. I think he's going to be uh, a guy looking to make a big impact early. He wants. He wanted to come to Texas, play with a good quarterback to boost his draft grade, and obviously Quinn yours is going to uh, fulfill that need for him. Uh, it's about getting him the ball, and I think right now there's not many SEC defensive backs that are going to be able to stay uh, foot for foot with him uh, going down the field. He's going to be that guy for me. Uh, by the way, I'm going to add one more to football speed, Maurice Blackwell. Definitely. 
All right. Let's go to this next question here uh, from Nate Russ. He says, I hardly hear talk on Owens. Are we thinking he will be beat by Lacey and remain the backup, obviously talking about Trey Owens? No way to answer that right now. Uh, but I, I do think that Trey um, is – he made a big jump junior to senior year, not statistically, but movement in the pocket. I think he worked on that, which which is interesting to me because that means he listens to what people say and he's saying, okay, how can I prove these people wrong? One, because I love he's a confident dude. Um, and But then he takes it seriously, right? He knows he needed to improve his – he's got good pocket awareness. I think he feels the pressure well. But he knows he needed to move a little with a little more functional athleticism in the pocket and outside the pocket just to give himself time to make throws. He's a pocket passer that's going to have to give himself time to make throws. Uh, but I think he's made a big jump there from junior to senior year, um, 235 pounds graduating high school. Uh, but there's no way to know right now on that. It's the quarterback position. These guys have to come in and do it. Um, the great thing for Trey is he's in for spring. He's going to get a chance to really get a lot of reps on that scout team this year as the number three guy. Um, so it's going to accelerate. He's accelerating his growth. I will say that. And then we got time for just one or two more questions. Uh, Vivek says, do you guys view Nansen as a rainmaker in recruiting? He has pulled some great recruits before and has the Samoan connection. I think NIL is the rainmaker in recruiting these days, honestly. <laughs> I hate to say it, but I, I get your point. Um, I think I think more than anything, Nansen keeps the South, Southern California, Arizona pipeline strong. As, no, matter, no matter that Texas is now officially in the SEC, there's going to be a strong footprint in Southern California and Arizona under Steve Sarkeesian, always will be. Uh, and I think Nansen furthers that. Uh, Jeff Choate had some of that. But I think Nansen even amps that up even more uh, for Texas. And with UCLA being, I, I mean, I don't even know what to say about UCLA. Uh, you know, and then both of those guys, USC, uh, Oregon, all moving to the Big Ten. Uh, these kids, Silas Bolden, if you didn't get a chance to see the Silas Bolden interview on, on Texas football that uh, he joined Bobby and I, he even talked about being from Rancho Cucamonga and wanting to play in the SEC. The, and the SEC had a lot of success recruiting in California, Alabama, Georgia, all these programs, because these kids grew up watching the SEC dominate the national championships, the NFL draft, and the things that attract players. So I think Nansen is a strong West Coast recruiter, and that helps Texas even more moving forward. All right, this will be the last question for today, and it's not about football so much as it is about you guys. Klon says, I'm always impressed with your encyclopedic and in-depth knowledge of college and high school football. How do you do it? And what's your daily information gathering regimen? It's the only thing I can remember in life. <laughs> That's gone well. That's gone well in relationships, let me tell you. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I just celebrated a single Valentine's Day over here. You think I have time to remember anything else, Sherry? I mean, come on. Oh. Uh, hey, look, I, my thing is, for those that don't know, I, I, just grew, I grew up, my dad was a coach. And... I grew up and I got into this business because I love the Houston Chronicle Top 100, the Austin Statesman 55. I would go watch these guys. When I wasn't in a basketball gym, I would go watch all these guys on Friday nights play football. Or I'd go with my dad and they, those guys were scouting. That's the first time I ever saw Casey Hampton uh, is my dad was in the staff he was on. They were out scouting 
Um, and so I, I saw Casey Hampton at a young age. I was like, wow, this guy, even though I was young, I was like, wow, this guy's really, truly unbelievable player. Still haven't seen a D lineman better in high school football to this day than Casey Hampton as far as a productive motor, getting everything out of it uh, that he could. Uh, but so I grew up with it and I love the lists. Um, you know, it, it's funny just that that my Friday nights are if I, if you can take some of my best memories in this business, sitting in the Kilgore coach's office on Friday afternoon when Eddie Jones, Britt Mitchell, Michael Huey, that team was coming through Kilgore and Mike Valley was the head coach at the time. And he let me just hang out in the coach's office on a Friday afternoon on game night. And, you know, some of those coaches were AM fans. Some of those guys were Texas fans. Coach Valerie and his son are LSU fans. They're from Louisiana. And just getting in the back and forth, but then asking them about players. Who are the best players they've seen in East Texas? That That's what's fun about this business to me is, um, you know, I'm going to get on the road here when we're done. Uh, but like last week in East Texas, time spent with Coach Surratt at Carthage talking about, they go against Lance Jackson, his thoughts on Lance Jackson. Who else did you really like on that Pleasant Grove team? Oh, by the way, what do you think of Jaden Sanders at Kilgore? Those conversations um, are, are just my favorite part of this business. Yeah. Okay, guys. Well, that's going to do it for today's edition of Coffee and Football. We want to thank Rick Valbro and Austin Underground, Prize Picks, and Manscaped all for sponsoring today's show. Thank you all for tuning in. We appreciate it. Appreciate all the Super Chats. If you haven't already, please hit that like and subscribe button. It would go a long way with us, and it means a lot. And then head on over to ontexasfootball.com to join in on the discussion. Guys, anything that y'all are working on over there that people should be aware of? Yeah, we've got plenty coming this afternoon. I'll be uh, digging into some of the best spots, destinations, uh, for the Longhorn hopefuls in the NFL draft, I might hit the road again later today if I'm able to find uh, an afternoon workout in the area as well. So uh, a lot going on. And I mean, it looks like the 26 quarterback uh, recruiting is off to a solid start right now. At least we have an understanding of where uh, the staff is, is is looking at the moment. So we'll continue to keep you all updated at on Texas football uh, the rest of the day, afternoon and offseason. There you go. So come join in on the community. All right. Well, for Jerry Hamilton and CJ Vogel, I'm Blake Monroe, and we'll see you tomorrow morning.